All right. Welcome back. This is the 26th episode. Um, and we haven't done one in, I literally, I have no idea how long, but it's been months. Um, Peter has decided that he no longer wants to be a part of the, you should fact check this podcast. Um, but Dylan is going to come in and fill his place and we're going to, we're going to get the ball rolling again. Um, and just kind of have fun talking shit about random stuff. So that is where we're at right now. Hopefully it'll get better. Um, but with our consistency, it's not likely to, <laughs> but we'll figure it out. And if, if nothing else, it'll be a good opportunity for me and Dylan to sit down and talk for a few minutes every week. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dylan said that he has something that he wants to talk about, like right off the bat. So we'll kind of just start off there. Yeah. So I, do you want me to introduce myself for the podcast? Sure. Audience? I mean, Dylan, Dylan's been on the podcast like three times. Yeah. Um, Devin and I went to high school together and now we are trying to be adults. <laughs> if, uh, if, are we good at it? That's for someone else to decide. But uh, yeah, I'm in LA and I'm working in documentary film and um, that leads straight into the topic that I want to talk about, which is I had to drive back to LA from Albuquerque from being home for the holidays. And sorry, that's a number one thing I have notifications coming in <laughs> okay that shouldn't happen again okay but yeah i was driving back um to la for a job that i had on january 2nd and i listened to a ton of podcasts um about various philosophers it was just random i was like oh i'm just gonna listen to one of these and it's a podcast called philosophize this it's a pretty well-known one and yeah, I just listened to a couple that I thought were really interesting about um, basically where art is going um, and what <clears throat> art is going to look like in the next 20 to 50 years. Um, and the fact that we can basically replicate pieces of art and call them new pieces of art, uh, like, for instance, like this whole thing with AI creating art. Um, you know, like what, what is art anymore? And that's kind of like the topic I, I was like, oh, that's, that'd be interesting to really talk about, you know, what do we find define as art? And then, uh, yeah, what is that going to look like in the next 20 to 50 years? So, and I, I honestly, like, I listen to these podcasts, but I don't know. Um, there's a philosopher called Walter. Benjamin, but his last name is Benjamin because he's he's from Germany. Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah. And it, I was supposed to read this article before we went on the podcast today. Um, let me see what it's called. If anyone wants to read it, it is looks really interesting. But it's um it's called the The work of art in the age of its technological reproducibility. 
so yeah, it's, it's just like the topic. It's, it's what I wanted to read about before getting on, but I didn't, I ran out of time, but, but yeah, he just talks about like, look, we went from the novel in the early, uh, 20th century. Um, well, we had the, we had like the novel as the main form of entertainment or like someone can really like dive into a story and that's reproducible. That's text. Then we got into moving image and cinema. Um, and that was like mass produced, you know, you could like take, um, a film and you could print it and then show it in different locations of the world. And now we have like art that, um, and like even moving image, it, everyone's like <clears throat> sort of in a constant state of distraction. And especially with TikTok and these very fast, like, um, sources of media that it's like, kind of what, what is, what is, um, art and media going to look like in the near future. Um, and yeah, I guess, I don't know. I'll, I'll stop talking, but what do you, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you think 20, 50 years from now, what do you think art will look like? What, what's going to be different, different about it? I don't know. I was thinking about it while I was driving, like listening to the podcast. Um, and just how quickly things have changed technologically in the last 20 years, I, I could see, um, and working on different projects, I could see art becoming like, something where it's like, it's like a mosh of different formats of art all in one, where it's like art pieces or, or even film or they get shorter and shorter where we, we almost have like something like TikTok, but, um, we don't need to concentrate on anything for that long. Like art is just I... getting, getting quicker and quicker to like process. Um, that's, would... that's what, I think maybe I you could constitute the quickness, like some stuff that's quicker, like, like there are advertisements that are art, right? Like there's some fantastic advertisements that you'll consume for like a couple of seconds that are like really well done pieces of art. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure that art is necessarily, I think there's always going to be a long format consumption. Um, because it, like we're inherently drawn to story mm -hmm. as people, I think. And when you reduce the time frame so drastically, it's so much more difficult to get the story across. Um, mm -hmm. at least like any sort of fulfilling story, you know, I think that like probably you know four or five minutes like you can get a story across but the complexity of that story is not very high you know what i mean um yeah specifically for film obviously but like other art i think has always been it's always 
been a, you've always been able to consume it at whatever pace you want. You know, so if it's like traditional art, lots of people won't ever take a second look at a piece of art, even if the even if it's a famous work of art. Right? Like a lot of this is something that's very nuanced in whether or not you actually enjoy the art. And then a lot of it is, some of it is built in like, um, like ego and corruption, I think, because, you know, people just pander and talk about art for no fucking reason when it's a piece of shit. Mm. Um, and it's like, the art doesn't actually mean anything it could have been part of like a drug sale where they just wanted to kind of verify or make a really large payment look like it was something legitimate when it wasn't. Um, but I'm not sure that I think that all of these things just give us new abilities to create story in different ways. I'm not sure the timeline changes too much in our consumption, obviously kids consume things really quickly, but like things like TikTok, I was listening to the all in podcast this morning and they were talking about how I, I think TikTok is probably going to get banned in the U S. Um, and one of the guys, David Freeberg was like, do you think that they'll actually be able to do that? Because there's so many people that are always on TikTok, mm-hmm. Right. But TikTok isn't necessarily a place where you actually build like um, connections with creators. It is a place where they curate content that was made by anybody for what you like. Right. And if another like YouTube shorts has already replicated that uh, Instagram reels has already replicated that but on YouTube and on Instagram, you have an area where you can look at the people that you're following specifically. And that, and you can do that on TikTok, but I don't think it's the same. It's the same. It's really based like TikTok is fully based on that algorithm to feed you content that you want to see, but you don't know who that's coming from. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm and like I'm not on TikTok enough, but I know um like yeah, there's an alg- algorithm. I, I think the algorithm changes quite a bit, you know, and like how it you well, know I think the most interesting thing in terms of the algorithm for TikTok is the differentiation based on where you live. So like in the US, the algorithm is drastically different than it is in China. In China, the algorithm shows all of the kids on there. It shows them like success stories for like building businesses and all this stuff. It shows them educational stuff. It shows them how-to videos, like all of that. Whereas in the U.S., it shows us dancing videos and garbage. Right? Like it, it, I think it's very realistic and very possible that it's like a, it's, it's a, type of cyber warfare to just dilute us into kind of nothing 
You know what I mean? Yeah, there's like this makes me think of what um, the guy in the podcast was talking about with this philosopher's theory on um, I'll, I'll think about it. But yeah, keep going on it. Um, if you want to keep going on that, because I well, I'm I just come back to it. I mean, so the the whole thing was your the podcast that you were listening to was talking about technology, AI, maybe specifically around how art well, is changing it, or just how art is changing based on time and it, technology. I didn't explain it super well. It The podcast just takes different philosophers and their theories and breaks it down almost like a um, spark notes style. Like oh, okay. here's what this uh, philosopher wrote about. And like, here's this guy taking all the, the themes and the topics and boiling them down to something like, quick you know you can get um but i feel like it's funny actually he does he he even said in the podcast i don't want this to be like a spark notes for people but i just compared it to spark notes. <laughs> it's not like spark notes in, in that it's like dry like just he's he's entertaining so I'll, that's the, the biggest thing but i feel like in his podcast though the one that i listened to that i thought was interesting talked about walter benjamin he was a German philosopher that was probably, I think he lived in like, you know, 20th, you know, late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, and so he's, he's around the age of, you know, film coming about in the early 20th century. And then like uh, seeing like the shift in how, especially art is like, mass produced um and and how it shifted and i think the biggest thing he looked at was the transition from text to moving image and and like where we go from moving image you know is there anything that's like we don't even know yet you know and that that was that was the biggest thing that struck me as interesting because i'm like oh and, and it's hard to define what art is it's like art could be anything art, art could be anything anyone creates really. Um, and it's so subjective, but he's specifically looking at, I think a big for us, maybe we could just narrow it down right now to moving image, you know, and like, cause that's, that's what nowadays moving image is like, that's how we get our news. Most of the time we don't rely on text nearly as much as we used to. Um, and the moving image is everywhere. So I think, well, that's what I wanted to talk about is like, where yeah. is it going? You know, are we going to see something? How different could it get? You know, I always think about that. I'm like, I think that, I, I actually, I actually think that there's a couple of different ways off the top of my head where this could go. Right. Yeah. So the first one um, is related to moving image. It's probably very similar, but it could be um, like, if you're talking about art specifically, because art could be documentary documentaries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be like Pixar animation. Yep. So something completely unseen, right? Are you saying film or art? Well, I guess film. both. But film, yeah, art in film is what I'm talking about specifically. Okay. Um, but if you just like think about the technology that we just have today, which is like Oculus. Um, and like immersive 
uh, the hell do you even call those things? Oh, the virtual reality, yeah, like wearable virtual reality, right? Uh-huh. So you could create a whole movie or story that's completely brand new. That's never been before seen, right? In virtual reality where you're like taking part in the movie as it's happening. Right. Don't you think that's like not that far off from what video games are now? No, I don't like, I, yeah, I I think it's very realistic, right? It's very, it's definitely something that's going to happen. Um, but I also think that the movie, like you could use that in another way in documentary where you could film the whole thing in, you know, three dimensionals and this will get so much better where they'll actually use like radar to detect the distance of things and they can actually like make it feel more three dimensional rather than just a, like a 360 degree video. Right. Um, but you could take someone along for the documentary following this person through their life. Right. Or through these struggles, um, in an immersive way like that. Right. Um, so I think that that's really like, that's very obvious. I think a way that's not going to be as obvious, um, in terms of like, this is where it gets weird because you have to define kind of what art is, but like really soon we're actually most, I think we'll, we'll be able to communicate non-verbally um, using technologies like Neuralink. Right. Um, and then you can actually like communicate emotions and true like intentions through nonverbal communication which i like literally have no idea what that even means i know it's right so but weird. it's you can like you might be able to actually transmit feelings to somebody and them actually be able to feel those feelings like i don't know if you've ever like when you have a dog that you love like really crazy and you're watching them and you're just like like saying I love you and you're like that doesn't even do anything like that that word means nothing right Right. it's just a word that we've put some sort of weird meaning behind but the like the feeling inside of you it's like overwhelming and you're like fuck like I just want this creature to know the way that I feel that may be something that can actually happen in the future with a technology like Neuralink which would be like a new way of communicating at the minimum, right? Definitely a new way of communicating, but maybe you could transmit vision, like the way that you're seeing things in terms of like some sort of art. Right. Um, But now I'm just speculating wildly. Um, But that's, it's it's weird to think about that too because then you're like one of the coolest things about if we're talking about film is the 
unexpected result you get from an audience of how they interpret it. And so, and like your intention, um, it's like, if you were able to communicate an emotion exactly the way you wanted it to someone, right. Yeah. This new technology. I wonder if like, number one, would that get rid of, would that make it the same art? Because there's so much a film is the subjectivity of like each person has their own background, own experience that they bring to the table. And that affects, that's like what can really actually make someone connect with the movie more than someone else. And then two, it's like, I wonder if, um, you know, even if that was possible, it's like, would that person, would that emotion still even be felt this? It, I don't think it would be felt the same way as the person sitting next to you anyway. You know, even if some then director could be like, oh, I want someone to feel sad right here. And instead of like, you know, if we had like Neuralink, like. Like actually transmit like, sadness to people. Yeah. And like on the screen, it like transmitted that, like that form of sadness would still, I think, be subjective due to the experience of each person being different. You yeah. know, isn't that weird? Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely like the, the things that you've gone through in your life kind of change your connection to sadness and to happiness and to all of those different emotions. So even if you're transmitting a, a feeling that you feel, you're feeling that feeling differently than others. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Is isn't that weird? Cause it still might not even, you know, cause I feel like there, even, there was even more of a, like with the progression of film, it's like films used to, um, for instance, not have sound. Right. Uh, they only had, and, and like, you know, the, I would say like, and this is also so much of this is subjective, but like film, I'd say a huge, if not the most important aspect is to create obviously an experience experience for someone, but also to evoke emotion. I think that's like the, yeah, probably the most important thing, but in so like with sound and music getting more advanced after, you know, silent picture that sound and music was used to enhance the story, which in turn enhanced the emotion that the audience was feeling. So it's like, no matter what, it seems like in the end, I don't know if there will really ever be a world where we can evoke the exact same or, you know, have someone feel something and the next person sitting next to them, have them feel the exact same thing. I think it's like such a hard thing to think about. I mean, maybe it's possible, but yeah. I think there's just so much. I think for it's one the human experience that we can't really like. Yeah. For one, we have no idea how any of that would ever function. Yeah. Right. Um, it sounds insane for that to even be a possibility. But they sit, they're saying that you would be able to literally like change your emotions 
like once it gets to that point, you'd have the Neuralink in, you'd have your app, and you could just change your emotion. <laughs> Which oh, that's I don't know what that means. You know, like I don't know how does your life work if you can just change your emotion. Yeah, and also like there has has to be major consequences of like always changing like say you go through a series of really terrible things like you you're going through your day and you're like starting to feel sad and then you switch you're like well i want to feel neutral right now or like content or or i want to feel happy but then something that's out of anyone's control happens to you and naturally emotions past sadness it comes to fear and anger and like multiple emotions how do you it's like so weird to think how could you switch your yeah and it it's almost like we're already doing that to an extent you know what i mean like when people are sad or depressed or you know that you go to a different a different vice based on a different feeling yeah no Um, that's a really good point so like a lot of people if they're depressed or sad or whatever we'll just go to like social media um, depending on who you are, maybe to a friend, maybe to a family member, you know, depends on who you are, but you'll go and find whatever your vice is. That's kind of your, your adjustment to the steady state, right? Like yeah. trying to get back to that steady state emotion. And I think it's probably the same for like happiness and like joy. Um, I think there uh, there's almost like an inherent pull towards being at your steady state. So when you get like super excited, you your brain is already looking for ways to like bring you back down. You know what I mean? Like you can be happy, you can be like excited about things, but if your steady state isn't like I'm always happy all the time, then your brain's going to be like, "All right, what's where's the next shoe going to drop?" Do you think that's normal or is that is that more of something that is like a habit for someone like it because that i guess there are varying degrees to that it could become really unhealthy that i feel like that's someone that's someone that's like a you know like if someone did that a lot i feel like that would not be normal you know that feels more like you're always thinking the worst that that's what that feels like maybe but maybe not maybe you're I don't know that you're always feeling the worst. I just think that like, obviously this is going to vary person to person. Like if someone's really depressed, if someone's really depressed and they have a burst of joy and happiness, I think their body is going to quickly try and mute that because it's a, it's like a foreign feeling almost. Um, I so see, that, yeah, you're saying like the kind of, what's it called? Um, What's the state of your body when it, what's that term called when it, you're like flow state, not flow. No, it's like, ah, that's what I was trying to like the steady state is what I was trying to. Yes. I know what you're saying now. Yeah. Yeah. So like you've got, you've got your steady state here. You've got depression, sadness, happiness, joy, right. In these cat, whatever, wherever they fall. And your body is kind of hovering wherever you are. Like if you're depressed, you're down here. If you're, happy you're like if you're always happy you're up here right yeah so wherever you are like if you're someone who's always happy and you get a jolt of depression or 
sadness, your body's going to want to go back up to the happiness, right? Like it works both ways. It's not like always trying to pull you down. Yeah. It's that neutral state. Yeah. What the hell is that called? It's like a, I think it's probably, it, it may be an energy thing more than anything. Cause your body is trying to be efficient. Um, and in those states, you're less efficient when you're in a different state, but maybe, I mean, I'm, i was typing fast and i looked up neural state of your hosey (laughs) oh man of your hosey hosey instead of body (laughs) i was trying to look up neutral state of your body just to see if um because uh, there's a term that you will be like, oh, oh yeah, it's. I'll think of it. It's but it's um. Oh God, I'll <laughs> think of it. I can't. I think new. I think steady state or neutral state works yeah, well. Yeah, it's for right fine. Now. It, it works fine. Um. Anyway, I don't even like legitimately have no idea how we got to what we were just talking about, but. Well, it's because we were, oh, talking, we were talking about, about Neuralink and being able to and change like emotion. your emotions. That's actually crazy because, um, like, thinking about, I don't know, this is this could be really stupid, but think about, like, what if in the future there's, because really, when we go to social media, when we go to watch a movie, it's an experience, right? And it's like we're getting an emotion, we're getting a feeling. What if in the future there are just tanks of like water that you sit in and you're fed emotions just, and then you, and then it's like, Oh, I got my fix for today. of emotions. It's, like, it's like, wouldn't that be crazy if you just put on like, I don't know, like a, yeah, basically like a headset and you just sat in like a tank of water and then you're just fed emotion, but you don't even, you're not necessarily even like conscious. You just like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's you like, made it so like dystopian, like the Matrix. Yeah, like I think it's probably going to be that, but it's just a little coin-sized thing that's being planted into your brain. Yeah, you know, like the the whole visual of like getting into it, like everyone's just like, and just like walking into a tank of water is very like dystopian movie-esque and i don't think it's going to be as dramatic actually stemming off of that it's really interesting there's this project that i was working on i was just doing um organizing it for this for like the edit but it was like talking about how movies influence actual technology in our modern day and how and vice versa so for instance, there's a new show um, basically about virtual reality and how people are able to almost, it's like sort of like Avatar where you're able to put on this headset and you're kind of like a, an avatar in this other world. Right. And it talks about the ethics. It's kind of like Westworld as well, where you're just like, what are the morals? Like you're you're technically not you in this world, but what responsibilities do you have? And like, you know, looking into the future 
of um, the metaverse and like, that's so interesting to think about what will the ethics be? Like if you, it, it's, it's the same thing online. Look at all the hate speech that comes from online because people wouldn't say that in person as much, but they can behind these synonymous, um, essentially avatars, but they're not like bodies, obviously, but they're like, you know, people, people are able to like more comfortably like say or do things that are maybe like in their head, they would never do if somebody were watching them face to face. And I think that could, it's like thinking about that for a metaverse situation where it's like, what if we had like actual, we're interacting with each other as we have like bodies and it's like, what are the ethics there? You know, I think part of it, a part of it right now is the fact that like a lot of the older people never grew up on social media. Right. Or yeah, they didn't grow up with like this, this kind of wall between. Um, so for most, I think the, the bullying aspect was still there, but that shit got cut out really quick because if you're going to go bully someone in face to face, like we're, like you're saying, there are more drastic consequences most of the time. Yeah. Or at least um, like, and, no, and you front, f- you know, and you feel that emotion, like part of the, the disconnect through social media is like, you can't see how that person is taking that comment. Yeah. Like if you're a person who is not like a sociopath or a psychopath, when you see someone who's sad, it's like hard. Yeah. Um, so I think that like kids learn that early. I don't know that. I feel like there will be an adaptation to it for these kids that are growing up on it right now. Um, and more of an understanding of how that kind of realm works um maybe it becomes like kids just get sharper and better at like hurling insults you know um because that's something like i was never good at like the comeback yeah but that's also because i was a bigger kid most of my life so i was the more uh, intimidating person so people didn't bully me too upfront very often right Um, I, I definitely got my fair share of bullying, but most of those people didn't continue bullying me because I was an intimidating person to bully. Um, but there were a lot of kids like kids that we grew up with who are super witty Mm -hmm. and it's because they were small their whole life. Right. So their only defense was their wit. Um, and I think that, and those people have thick skin too. So I think that there's there will be a progression of kids understanding that, you know, these things that are coming into them over, you know, whatever it is, Instagram comments, YouTube comments, all this shit, um, for one, is not something that they necessarily need to take into consideration at such a level that they would if it, the person was interacting with them face to face. Um, I also think that 
they'll be educated more by their parents earlier mm-hmm. that this sort of stuff is for one, not okay. And for two, like I said, not something that you really need to consider too heavily in your weighing. Like if someone comes up to you face to face and is like, Hey dude, you're being a real fuck. Right. That means a lot more than if someone's online saying, fuck you. Right. Right. Um, because that person had to work up the courage and really believes what they're saying. If they're saying it to you face to face. Right. And at that point, I think you can like take a step back and consider what that person is saying and being like, am I being a fuck? Right. Um, or like, is this person just mis like mis- misunderstanding what I'm doing when it's online? I think, you know, people are, it's just so immediate. You know, they can see one thing. They can have one, that one emotion and quickly act on it without repercussion. And I think there is a lot more higher risk of misinterpretation online than in person, you know, because like you're saying, reading people is, you know, you can read someone, someone's intentions a little better. But I mean, of course, there are exceptions with people who are really they're manipulators. They can like act a certain way, but I'd say like, yeah, overall, you know, the risk is higher online. Yeah. Well, and like, if we're talking about the metaverse and the ethics and stuff like that, obviously the ethics are going to be set up by the, by the population, right? Ethics within the world. Um, obviously ethics vary pretty drastically based on where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's no like de- uh, declaration of ethics, right? It's kind of just something that you as a society agree upon. Um, and that's why we have such drastic changes. You know, there's, there's people who are still slaves. There's women who have to wear headdresses. There's all sorts of different ethics and like beliefs in the world. So it's going to be kind of set up by the people, the majority of people that are there. Um, and you'll get ostracized if you're not adhering to the ethics. Um, and then also like with Oculus and stuff like that in the metaverse, I mean, Facebook or meta, whatever is actually doing all this stuff to be able to transmit emotion. So they have an Oculus right now where you can put it on and it reads all of the cues, all of your facial muscles, all of your little twitches and everything. And it puts that onto your avatar in the metaverse. Um, And they're also making it so that you're actually looking into the person's eyes rather than like right now, I'm looking at the screen of you and you're looking at the screen of me. So we're not looking each other in the eyes, right? They're changing that to where, where you're looking is actually going to be the eyes of the person that you're talking to. Right. So you can actually get that emotional connection through a screen essentially. Um, So I think that will change a lot because like we talked about, all of it is based on those emotional cues and the way that, the person takes the information. 
Um, and I think that that will, it'll become easier and easier to do through technology. That's so weird to think about. Yeah. I, I just like, you know, I thought that project was so cool. Um, you know, the film project, I think it was a series that somebody was trying to develop. I don't know what's the, what the progress is, but of how, um, movies impact technology and then how technology impact movies and like how closely aligned some of it actually is, you know, like when you see, um, a world like Westworld, you know, it's like, I guess we're not going to be in the metaverse. We're not going to be in like, you know, physical bodies, but there are avatars that are like, I, I guess, I don't really know. Are like, they're, they're obviously virtual. Right. So it's like weird to think though about, it's like at the same time though, do you think that it could actually unite us as a world better? Do you think? I don't know. I think the the main problem with uniting is we're so bred to unite based on a common enemy. Um, and I'm not sure necessarily how long that would take biologically to get out of. And I don't think like, it's not like we're helping it. We're not like working really towards removing that biological instinct. Um, like right now, especially like here in the, in the U S most people like find a party line, right. Mm -hmm. Or a sports team. Right. So we're bred to find a, a smaller niche group where we feel protected and we feel that we can protect others against the outside influence. Right. So if we were going to bring everybody together, we would need an outside influence, especially if we're going to bring together the world. Right. So like, obviously you see it in movies where you have aliens or whatever, and the whole world kind of unites to defeat the enemy. The speed at which you would probably just go back to what you were at is probably insane just because with like we talked about, it's a steady state thing. You need to find that common enemy to feel like you're a part of something. Um, so. But do you I'm, think that that's, a, is that like, I don't know if that's the only thing that is going to unite people as a common, common enemy. That's probably something that will maybe the quickest it will unite people, but. I don't know if like, I think there are sub factors of like interest, you know, similar interests, similar. Well, that's um, ex exactly. That's, that is what we unite on currently. Right. Yeah. Like we don't unite based on, it's not like we're just like, all right, you, 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 and you, you're on my team. You know, right. we're, at, we're talking to people. We're gauging who they are and what their mm -hmm. ethics are and what their, beliefs are what they like to do all of that stuff and then we're making that decision to be a part of that group right um and a lot of those groups are based on the enemy right 
whatever the enemy is. Enemy is a strong word, obviously, but um, the other guy, really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, the, the most common one is in the U.S. is probably party line. Um, but it's in, that's also know, it's really in, hard because the, the, the party line that we see is so skewed mm-hmm. because it's the, the minority that are the loudest, right? The majority of people, I think are more, pretty neutral. They're more neutral and they're more based on the ethics, right? But all of those people have their party line based on, or their their group based on like a sports team, right? Or a business that they work for or whatever, you know? So those people might be finding that fulfillment in their group or party or whatever outside of politics. And that's why they're so neutral in terms of the politics. Yeah, and like I'm going back to this concept of uh, the network state and that guy, Balaji, um, he's like a big, he wrote a book called The Network State yeah. um, that was interesting. But I started like, listening to that podcast and I literally, my brain vomited. I had no idea. He, was, he would bring up the most random things that were so like... niche yeah what, you know what, what I mean? was one of them i have no idea i, I stopped listening to it maybe it was because i was just exhausted or something i have no idea yeah what it was but i was trying to listen to that and i was like why are you bringing up these like super minute detail like i the guy's super smart i've listened to him on another podcast and he's very he's ridiculously well read understands things crazy well but the 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 quickness of the jumps from thing to thing with the detail yeah and and like small like there's a small group of uh, small group that understands a lot of the different things that he was talking about Um, yeah i which i am not one of them i my opinion on him is like i i don't know enough about then uh, like his book, I've never even read the book. I've just listened to podcasts. I've listened to an interview with him. And, but the thing that was interesting that he talked about was like, he envisions this world in which it's a little different from the meta. Well, I guess it could be aligned with the metaverse, but uh, the current way we, uh, you know, operate in on economic level on a, societal level is has been the way we've operated for over a century at least um and more you know just like is i guess for example in the u.s um but he was like well can you envision a world in which uh we have um you have basically uh an id or like a a name that's not your actual name, but it's like, it's called a crypto name <laughs> and it's, it's what you'd use, um, basically in this, it's, it's through his book. Um, but it, it's in this new world of like, 
cryptocurrency and DeFi. Yeah, like basically um you'd have a, a crypto name that you associate with and then you'd associate with the various cryptocurrency like Ethereum or uh, I can't remember the other cryptocurrency or like Bitcoin or like others. Um, and instead of like you being perceived based off of your race or your gender or your physical appearance, you're being judged on other things. And like, you're not necessarily judged on where you come like from. Like the holdings and, that you have in your crypto wallet. <laughs> well, I think he was more just saying like, and this is just like, Oh, this is just, him thinking and I was like god I've never heard someone talk about a world like that of like a slip you know but it's similar to this metaverse concept of like having an alternate identity in this virtual slash uh world you know world that's not reality where you're basically that's why I'm saying like is there a possibility that in some ways, it you know something like a metaverse could unite different groups of people because you're not judging based off of where you come from, like race, well, uh, gender, like which which are big issues in today's society that often create these rifts. It's like, could that, yeah, you know, obviously well, it come with major other issues, but it's like it's interesting to think about that stuff. You you will you'll find different groups yeah that's for certain right um but it'll probably be some sort of subgroup that you were already a part of i think because you know you may be getting together in your group based on party line right Um, but then in that group, you're going to have a subgroup of people who have the similar ethics to you, right. Or similar sporting views or whatever it is. Right. Or, you know, appearance views, you know, you'll get into your party line and then you'll have the attractive people here. You'll have the less attractive people here. You'll have the black people here. You'll have the white people here, whatever. Right. But I guess it'll just depend on like with this metaverse, like what, what is our appearance in this world? Like, are we able to change it to whatever we want or is yeah. it? So you, you, you know, it's like, you could, you could be yourself. You could have a uploaded version of yourself. You could be a fucking donkey. You could be a T-Rex. You could be whatever the hell you want to be. You could be a rock. Right. But it, it will be, I, th- I think you're probably right in that. Like, it'll be a more intellectual um, connection than appearance appearance based right like but intellectual is like a uh a stretch i think for a lot of it like most of it will probably be like based on what games you play well at first but think about like god can you imagine like if this keeps going you know there's always good and bad to all these things it's like like what i'm highlighting is like the potential good of like oh could this help with um, issues with uh, societal rifts and like us versus them mentality with just your appearance, you know, cause that's historically, unfortunately, it's just like there is rift on, on appearance where you come from and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't, it's, 
not inherently unfortunate, right? Inherently, it's based on, you know, safety. It's well, biological. Right, yeah. we, we judge people in order to, it's, it's how we protect ourselves as humans. We're like, yeah. okay, is we read this person. Are they trustworthy? Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess, but I'm saying, I guess I'm looking at the negative societal yeah, effects absolutely. of that, which I'm saying, um, wow, there's a world in which could that be, could those, you know, issues be broken down and, and they're not, they're not super, uh, you know, th- those issues aren't super apparent That's anymore, but then, interesting. but then the back, the flip side to that is that in a world in which like the metaverse, you don't have anything. It's like, it, it's weird to think like who the hell is everyone anymore? Like, I guess that defeats the whole, yeah, maybe I this mean, isn't even a bad thing either. It's like, the more people get into this identity, it's like, are people, and that's obviously the big question around all of this is like, Oh, are people going to prefer this reality instead of actual reality? And that's when we see movies like Wally or like freaking the matrix or something where we're like, what are we in? You know, are we in, are we just going to be these, you know, on a computer or like sitting somewhere? Um, whatever, I guess the matrix isn't the best example, but Wally's a good example where, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, yeah. are we going to be these just fat, you know, our bodies are just, you know, disintegrating while we're living in a different reality that may be better. Um, but it's like, yeah. I'm just curious, like, is this metaverse going to turn into something big or is it going to be? Well, if you think about like Neuralink, right? if you get to Neuralink and then Neuralink makes it so that you can use their system for your applications, right? Like an OS for your mind. I think that you could probably pretty quickly get to the point where, because Neuralink's already talking about how they could restore eyesight in people who have never had eyesight, Mm. right? Using cameras and just bypassing the the optical nerve is usually the problem. It's not the the reading part within the brain. It's the your eyeball essentially, which is usually the problem. Um, so for a lot of it, you could bypass that. So I don't I don't I don't see a reason why you couldn't just turn that into seeing different things, right? Like instead of using an Oculus, you would just be like, I'm going to go to Paris and then you would be seeing Paris. Um, so I think that using something like that, you could very easily get to the point where you're just in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gets you to think like, how long is it until Neuralink something with that sophisticated of connection to your brain is able to map the brain to the point where you can upload it. What? Oh, you mean like upload your consciousness? Yeah. And then you can, you can like store it. Are you talking about transhumanism? Yeah. So, I mean, really like all, all you are is just a, a collection of your thoughts and the things that you've been through. 
Yeah. If you can distill all of that down, and I don't think it's as drastic as people like, I don't think it's, we have so many things that we've been through, but your brain is constantly purging information that you have no need for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure that it would be as difficult as, I mean, obviously it's fucking insanely hard, but. Well, people are working on it. It's not like, Oh yeah. It's not like it's close. It's just, there is a whole sector of science called yeah, but, transhumanism and trying to transport that consciousness. But the, the, the biggest downfall of humans is kind of our flesh, right? Our, our physical bodies. Yeah. They're so different. I mean, our brains are very different too, but like our bodies are so like, we're so weak compared to other animals. Well, I mean, it depends, I guess. Cause like, think about how the lifespan of other animals, like they don't survive nearly as long as humans. Oh yeah, totally. But that's part, like part, like, yeah, there's a lot of different, I agree. Cause I feel like, you know, the human body, I guess you can compare it to more like, I mean, the only thing that really outlives humans and they're not even like, it's like organisms and like sea turtles. viruses and like, huh? Sea turtles. I guess, yeah, some animals, but in general, like animals, it's only a a select few animals that can out, that really outlive humans, right? Fuck, I I have no idea. I don't know for sure. (laughs) I think, I mean, most animals definitely live a shorter lifespan. Their lifespans are shorter than humans. But that's not to say that their physical attributes are worse than ours. Right? Yeah, I yes, I, I agree. Um, yeah. And part of it, like it, I don't I don't know exactly how all this would work, obviously, but you'd obviously need some people to stay behind and take care of the servers. <laughs> what? Um, oh, the servers? Like in terms of the yeah, the, like, com- the compute power that's actually keeping the conscious alive, right? Because you have to, it's not like you're just uploading it to the sky. It's not heaven. You know, it's like. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's it's in a computer. Um, But, you know. How does that change? Also, like, so now you don't need sustenance. You can just, you just live based on making sure there's enough electricity. You don't have to reproduce. I don't know if those urges disappear with your body, but I know it's like, you so know, just, I think that's just so, cause they made a movie about it called transcendence with Johnny Depp. And he like uploads his consciousness to a machine after he dies. Yeah. And it's about him. Like basically it's like an experiment that this guy does. He's a scientist and doesn't go well. He, he uh, loves this girl. And so like what you're saying, the human urge, at least in the movie was still there and they probably put it in there just because it gives conflict for the story. But it's like, we have no idea how that would even work. Like you wouldn't even be a human anymore because how do you define being human? It's like, it, it varies from person to person, but I feel like, yeah, we already had, we already 
have no idea how to define human. Yeah. Besides the fact that we connect with each other and I don't know, we would connect in way different I guess we ways. can define human. We can't define consciousness. Right? Like human you can define, I think. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can define human as like a being that is able to, and it even gets kind of, I, I mean, in my opinion, maybe we're just way off in terms of, <laughs> guys, we, we, uh, we went to, welcome to the we to college, we this podcast. We did go to college, but it gives a damn about college. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah, I feel like humans, you can define it as a being that is able to like think and have a conscious awareness of who they are, a human versus an animal and, right. and able to, and able to have the choice and the, the action or the ability to act upon that choice freely as opposed to instinct yeah but even that is like questionable right like there's there's a whole school of thought around uh fuck i don't remember what it's called but it's just the idea that you're not actually making any um decisions oh oh, is this free will versus like fate yeah kind of but it's just it's not even necessarily fate it's just like I guess it's somewhat fate, but it's the same thing that we talked about with Austin, but like everybody has was born into a certain situation in that situation. They were given options from those options. They learned to make decisions based on those options. Um, And then continually you're making decisions based on your prior experiences. So like given any certain situation, if I was you and you were me, we would make the same decisions because we were the same, like just because you grew up in that pattern. Yeah. Which I know. I remember we talked, but I don't know. I don't know that that makes it not free will. Right. Because it still makes it, you still had to go through the things that you went through to make those decisions. Like no two people are going to make the same decisions based on the same information, really. So it's like a free will adjacent, maybe. <laughs> I mean, free will is a hard free will versus faded against a hard concept to even get into because yeah well for one we have no idea what we're talking about yeah we don't that's I've, that's I, the number one i'm thing. gonna be honest i've thought about free will more than any person ever so i'm the most qualified to talk about free will and i'm the second most <laughs> qualified this is now the free will podcast okay do you want to get oh. into like a little bit of business stuff, like financial stuff before we check off? Cause it's already been like an hour probably. Yeah. Um, I might have to go in like, let's say 15 minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. We, uh, we don't need to go much longer than that. Um, <clears throat> so there's been quite a few things that have happened since we stopped recording the podcast. 
Um, for I might one, not know anything, so let's see. For one, Elon took over Tesla or uh, Twitter, not Tesla. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. we've got a good chunk of time, so I'm I. The chances of me knowing some stuff are much higher now. <laughs> um, Elon took over Tesla. Um, the Ukraine war is still happening, so that's something. Um, and uh, the other biggest story that I can think of right now is Sam Bankman Freed and FTX. And what's going on with, well, we could, the political, um, well, we could talk about, let's not do the political stuff. Yeah. Um, we're talking about, I don't know. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Like, your one one minute summary of what your thoughts are on Elon buying Twitter. God, I am so not knowledgeable on all this stuff. With like, I mean, the only thing I could say is that, and my dad and I talked about this. Um, uh, Twitter was apparently getting dangerously narrowed down to one point of view um, where a lot of political parties and individuals were trying to shift the narrative of, you know, across the board, really try and make it more one-sided than free speech. And Elon apparently wanted to, you know, take over and say, look, we have to keep Twitter as as much free speech space as possible because nothing's more dangerous than uh, quickly sliding into um, a very controlled state of, you know, like, you know, controlling free speech. It, right. it quickly can turn from a democracy into whatever, I mean, like it's, authoritarian it's, like style government. It's a really yeah. great way to control the way people think is, by controlling speech. If you read 1984, um, it's a book essentially about the way free speech, the way speech um, can completely co-opt people's ability to think. Uh, and I was listening to, do you know Brett Weinstein? The neuroscientist. He's a biologist. That might, oh. you might be thinking about uh, Andrew Huberman. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to Brett Weinstein on. Oh yes. I, the I Joe do Rogan know. Podcast. Yeah. I did listen to one of his podcast or yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, but I re- he was recently on Joe Rogan podcast and he talked about Elon taking over Twitter. Um, and I, he had an interesting take that I hadn't considered probably because I'm a Luddite, but you're a what a luddite what is that honestly i don't know fully but i think it's just kind of like a moron a luddite yeah luddite (laughs) what is this a new like term for that came out of like social media luddite luddites were luddite organization of english textile workers in 19 who formed a radical fraction which destroyed text machinery I have no idea what it means 
I may have used that completely wrong, <laughs> but um, essentially what he said regarding this was there was like a, a club kind of that all the social medias were on the same page, right? The government is allowed to infiltrate. They get to regulate things based on what they want, right? They're all in this agreement. And they're all doing this simultaneously across different platforms. Um, essentially, what Elon is doing is he's coming in and breaking that back, right? If everyone's on the same page, then it's really easy to throw out that all of this is conspiracy, right? That the government is infiltrating all of this. It's all conspiracy. And more than that, it's not okay. Right. If everyone's doing it, then it quickly becomes whatever. It's okay. You know, Elon has come in and I'm probably botching the way that he described this completely, but Elon has come in and he's the, the he, he's the black sheep of the social media platforms who is willing to say, fuck you to the government. We're not going to do that because free speech is more important. And with the hopes that him breaking that back will allow other social media companies to follow suit. So that's kind of maybe top level what he was saying, Brett Weinstein, but I thought it was an interesting perspective um, on essentially like how the, the, the social medias interact, like all of them combined because they're all kind of in this working relationship with the government. And, you know, Tesla's come out with all of these, like the Twitter files and all this shit. That's just like, exposing all of this corruption and conspiracy. That is true. So. I don't know. I think it's, I think he's doing a great service. Um, and I think that he's taking a lot of shit for it because, uh, I think a lot of people that are in power are scared about what it means for their power to influence. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah. And like, it's easy to, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, all the time now we're always like, well, I don't know enough to make a, have an opinion on this. And I do that a lot because I'm. Well, it's great. Really, you shouldn't have an opinion on everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally. We're, running, we're, we're doing a podcast and we're going to talk stupid shit about anything that we can. <laughs> well, but I genuinely don't know enough about what is going on with Twitter and Elon Musk to be like, oh, like all I think, all I know is like, yeah, that conversation I had with my dad and I really have not been following it that much besides like, you know, seeing the news, which oftentimes is bashing on Elon Musk. But I know for a fact that that's not the full story, you know, right. because I know like we, we've just talked about like the intentions of, of Elon Musk. We don't like the news is not covering that fully. Like we don't know what. Well, I mean the, the, 
problem with the news is that it's on the side of the government in most cases. So, yeah, or at least people that are affiliated with. Right. Like, yeah, mean, it's just. It becomes a culture like a lot of these journalists may have come into this wanting to be like the hardcore journalists that everyone talks about. Um, but if your stories aren't being run. What's the point in making those stories? And if you need yeah. to make money, then you're going to make mm-hmm. stories that make you money. Yeah. Like it's not necessarily their fault, but the people that are running these companies that have, that make the decisions. Um, there's just so much corruption. But yeah, that's why, I mean, we talked about it already, but having local journalists and smaller papers, that's a big check and balance that we met, are missing because there's a bunch of holes around, especially the U S of it's just these mega, like these bigger news corporations. Um, but again, like, it's not like bad people are working there. It's just, it's really hard. Like the bigger these corporations and companies get, it's harder to have um, to be like someone in the company saying, well, look, we need to have the other side. It's like your voice gets smaller and smaller the bigger it gets, you know, cause it's just like, so that's why having smaller papers and journalists is so important. Cause you know, the more opposition to the general consensus there is, the more we think about things and the more we are like, Whoa, we're not becoming, cause that's actually, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's a big lead into fascism and like the way people think, because especially in our society and the way we are almost like, we as people are almost like commodities in a way where it's like we consume uh, social media, we consume tons of tons of stuff and then we also present ourselves on social media as like likable and like we're essentially living in this like world that if it's too controlled by one party or one group then it you know eventually it's like because what is fascism it's basically it's like when the nation is bigger than the individual it's like the that's what it is i think where the and it's like almost hidden. It's like disguised as like, um, and that's when it gets really dangerous. Cause then somebody like Mussolini or Hitler can, when they took power, they were able to lead a massive group of people, but these people weren't, weren't necessarily bad people under, you know, if you look back at Hitler, it's like, there weren't necessarily bad people. It's not like they were stupid. They just didn't understand, uh, you know, what they were living in. They didn't understand. They like knew things were bad, but things were covered up so well too, that it's like the whole system became corrupt. And that's, I think what, not that Twitter could like rule over our entire society, but in in general, social media. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if someone, you know, if there's no check and balance and there's one narrative being pushed, that's essentially what that is. Cause we as a society don't know any better than to just follow well, what's and, being told. And the problem with this is that 
you get to like right now, Democrats are in power, right? So the Democrats are able to control. They were able to control who is on Twitter, right? Um, what is being said on Twitter to an extent by controlling who is on Twitter. The problem with trying to do shit like that is if there's a Republican that gets elected, if it's a Republican, if the country's run by Republicans, they can do the same thing back to you. You know, you need to have an even amount. Mm -hmm. It's got to be, you've got to have voices from both sides. And that's why I think what Elon says about running Twitter is so on point that if he has 10% of the left and 10% of the right mad at him, he's doing perfect. Right? Like if he's in that narrow gap where people on the right are mad, people on the left are mad, then he's probably doing it right. Not the masses are mad, right? But a small group on each side are mad. I think that's a very, like... Because if you're hardcore left or hardcore right, you're going to want things run in a different way. Yeah. Right? You're going to not want other people's views being said. You're going to, like, honestly, both sides, left and right, when you go far enough, they both are very fascist. Well, yeah, I mean, like, if you look at, I mean, I would say I'm living in California doing documentary work and like working on certain projects, I probably lean a little more like, I would honestly say a little more democratic. Yeah. But I know with the democratic party, it started out. I mean, isn't it true that uh, when Abraham Lincoln was running for president, he ran against the Democratic Party. I don't think he was in the Democratic Party. What was it? It was like the Democratic Party, I think, was. Yeah, the party lines changed. Um, like the, it, it started out very different than what it is today. And it's yeah. the same for the Republican Party. Well, the, like the, the <clears throat> what is it called? The NAACP, something like that. I could be getting that very wrong. But they were actually, and they were Democratic they were advocating for Nazis to be able to say what they want to say because they believed in free speech to that extent. Wait, the NAACP. Like I said, I could have gotten that very wrong. (laughs) I think that's one thing, but I think you're thinking of a different thing because that that's the national African-American. Yeah. That's not, that's not great. It's um, yeah. I know. I know you're talking about, I don't think it's that because it's yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was, it was one of those organizations and they are, they were left leaning. Um, they were democratic and they believed that they should be able to say what they want to say because that's free speech and free speech is important to the United States. And at some point that switched. However, I think the majority of people in the middle believe in free speech because that's kind of what. You know, that's what we're founded on. That's that is the United States. Um, And then if you go to, like I said, you go on both sides to the far enough, you're going to find people that don't want other people to speak. Hold on. Before we keep going, I want to correct myself. 
I freaking said, okay, we're talking about, well, whatever you're talking about, hmm. Oh, this is super interesting. Well, the NWACP has been around since 1909, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. So, um, and that was W.E.B. Du Bois, which I've actually, I learned about him in school a lot. He was an African-American, like, uh, sociologist, probably, like, he was in psychology, but he really wrote a lot about, like, the African-American experience, but um, so I don't think I'm trying to think what you're talking about because I feel like I know um, it's not that. It's probably not that, right? Um, I, I Honestly, I don't know. That's why, I, that's why this podcast is named You Should Fact Check This <laughs> because we're morons. I'm a moron at least. Well, I And I'm just and I'm just going to spew things that I think I remember and they're likely going to be wrong. Yeah, I I just called I, I want to correct myself. It's ACLU, yeah, I, the ACLU. Yeah, it's stuff I knew you were talking about something else. It was not that. ACLU and I don't know what that is. It's the American Civil Liberties Union. Oh. Yeah, so you're talking about ACLU, and then we weren't talking about NAACP, which actually you should look into WB, W.E.B. Du Bois. He's like, some of these people who write about the experience of groups of people are so, like, it's so interesting to read, like, because they're very, I remember learning about him in school, and it was so interesting to learn, like, um about the experience of um people of color in the US because it was like from the early 1900s of I don't know I thought it was super interesting like that, that I love his was, name Du Bois the, and it do you know how you spell it it's D U uh D O I S yeah that's sick Du Bois Okay, so yeah. you're talking about so the ACLU. So it is the ACLU. Okay. You can ACLU. look it up. There's a bunch of stuff. I don't feel like reading it right now. But and I they 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 defended the Nazis to march in Stokey, which like I said, I don't know what the hell any of this is. Um but you could read about it and you could comment and tell me if I'm a moron or not, which we've already established. I am. So I'm also a moron. So <laughs> I just, I called the NAACP. I said it wrong. Well, so. you were pretty much right. Well, yeah, I knew that's not what you're talking about, but I was like, I don't, I can't remember what it stands for exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that should conclude this because this was a pretty long podcast, but it was fun. It was good. Yeah. I enjoyed talking. Um, so if you watched this, 
thanks and yeah thanks guys tune in for episode 27 which we'll see when that comes out yeah we'll hopefully we'll be able to do these weekly yeah we'll see if it works we're gonna try with it'll work yeah we're not gonna we're not it'll work from us like we'll figure out how to do this (laughs) but whether or not it works on social media like if people give a shit is yet to be seen yeah and we also need to uh i mean i think the topic was good today i think we can come up with some you know some yeah, maybe topics. if we maybe if we create a docket and we kind of like bring topics together and then we can talk about them yeah we'll figure and it maybe, out maybe yeah it it made me want to read yeah that's one of the one of the reasons i love doing the podcast is because i like investigate things more (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know it's guys this is just us trying to become more knowledgeable because we we don't want to know what's good but we want to know what's going on in the world yeah and we want to talk about it so maybe maybe uh next year we'll be in the metaverse and Devin and I will just be two donkeys on Zoom. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe. We'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye.